seated. Um, I'm so grateful uh, to get to be able to share this space with you this morning for uh, what God did last night. And I'm so grateful that I finally made it to Bethlehem Church. Uh, it's been uh, just a little bit. Uh, Pastor reached out to me. Uh, I think me and Austin were talking, and I think it was 2021, and uh, we weren't able to make it happen. Um, but we made it happen uh, this year, and I'm so grateful. Uh, maybe you have gotten used to everything that God is doing. Uh, maybe you've taken it a little for granted, um, but I'm seeing everything for the first time, and I'm just so grateful um, for what the Lord is doing in this city and beyond. And I see the new building, I see the gym, uh, I see those of you that are serving and helping. Um, I just feel the presence of God. And uh, obviously we haven't even made it to Sunday yet, so I've still not seen uh, everything that makes up this great church and its culture. Um, but I've seen enough to know that God is doing special things. And I'm so, so grateful uh, to be able to slip in and be a small part. Uh, how many of you are thankful for Brother Austin and his leadership? I don't think we can give him enough honor. Uh, thank you so much for your leadership and your kindness to me personally and just for allowing me to have this space this morning. Uh, I want to I, uh, I just talk to you this morning. Um, I want to go through and look at the life of David. And if I had a title uh, to my lesson this morning, it would simply be this, uh, Distinctions of a Difference Maker. Um, distinctions of a difference maker. I love the story of David. I continually go back to the story of David. It doesn't matter how many uh, uh, paintings of him in the nursery there are. It doesn't matter how many uh, people try to preach about him at a Friday night youth rally. Uh, it doesn't matter how many uh, people sing about him, talk about him. There's always something in his life that I feel like that I have missed and I, I see something that I've never seen before. And uh, so um, at the expense of exhausting this story and even being repetitive, because I know you know the story of David, uh, I just want to go through his life, and I want to pull out um, what I am calling distinctions uh, that made him uh, who he was and what he was. And I hope that I can say something um, that will just be a blessing to somebody and resonate and add value to your life and your ministry. So we're just going to go verse by verse, and I just want to talk. Would that be all right? Would that be all right? Okay, you had me nervous for a second. First uh, Samuel 16 and 1, First Samuel 16 and 1 says this, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil. And go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Will you say that last line with me? For I have provided me a king among his sons. Would you say that out loud? For I have provided me a king among his sons. This wording, I think, is really significant uh, because the angel would tell Mary uh, that you are favored among women. In both times, the word is among, not above. God said, I have chosen a king among the sons, not above the sons. The angel told Mary, you are favored among women, not above women. I think one of the distinctions that made David a difference maker is that he was able to serve his peers. Um, God has not called me to surpass you. 
He has called me to serve you. I am not in competition with anybody. If you're in competition with me, I'm not in competition with you. I think it's special when uh, we can cultivate an attitude of servitude. I believe in having drive. I believe in having ambition. Uh, I believe in having goals. Uh, but God has not called me to be better than anybody else. Uh, I'm striving to be better than the old me. I'm striving to be better than the yesterday me. And so I, uh, I want to be... I want to be confident enough to know that God can use me, but I want to be humble enough to know that he can use anybody else. I don't have a monopoly on anything, anything significant or special that God has done in Landon's life. He can do in the exact same amount and more in someone else's life. Um, life gets a whole lot easier um, when you are just content. You are content with who you are, and who you're not. And th this first point, I, I may spend the whole uh, 34, 35 minutes on, on this alone. Um, and, and I, I, I want to just unpack this a little bit more. Um, I, think, I think it's easy to serve others um, when you truly are content in who you are and who you're not. Uh, John the Baptist said, I am not the Christ. He knew what he wasn't. And later on, Christ said, there is no prophet born of a woman greater than John. So part of greatness is knowing who you are, but also part of greatness is knowing who you're not. Um, I, have, I have tried to, uh, I've not only tried to figure out who I am uh, at 18 and 21 and 25 and up until now, uh, I've also tried to figure out who I'm, who I'm not. And you know what I've tried to do? I've tried to be at peace with that. Um, now, I think there's a difference in being new at something um, and then just, it's just not you. And so many times we forfeit giftings, we forfeit certain anointings, we forfeit certain ministries because, oh, I'm just not good at it and it's not me. I hate being bad at something. Uh, if I'm learning tennis, I wanna watch somebody play tennis. I wanna uh, watch YouTube videos about tennis. Uh, I wanna watch you play tennis. I wanna read a book about tennis. Um, and then when I go out to play tennis for the first time, I wanna beat my instructor. I, I don't like being bad at something. I'm a conquer all right now. I want to be an expert right here, right now. And if I'm not, oh, tennis is not for me. That's, ah, that's not my thing. So how many times do we do that when God is asking us to go deeper in prayer? What, how many times do we do that when God is asking us to teach a Bible study? How many times do we do that when God is asking us to step in the gift of encouragement, uh, prophecy, healing, the, the miracles, signs, wonders, whatever it may be, um, so many times we step into something and we're fumbling, we're not quite good at it. Um, and so we think, oh, it's not me. Well, there's some things that are worth pursuing and they're worth being bad at. There are things in this life that are worth being bad at in the beginning because you're gonna grow and you're gonna evolve and you're gonna cultivate. So um, there's a difference. I, there's some nuance there, so I wanna clarify. Um, there's some things that I've tried and I've tried again and I've tried again and it's just not me. It's not who I am. And so I'm at peace with that. But that cannot be confused with things that uh, perhaps I'm just new at or it's unknown to me and I've got to learn. I've got to uh, develop. Uh, does that make sense? So uh, I just want to keep adding on to that. Um, uh, part of, uh, sir, again, part of, because it's all interconnected. When you can be at peace with who you are, um, you won't have a problem serving your brother, serving your sister. 
uh, and you won't have a problem serving those below you. If you only serve those that are ahead of you, and all of us are in a different place in the in our, in our journeys. There's some people ahead of you. Uh, there's some people that are behind you. And sometimes that's subjective in how we define that. But there's always going to be somebody ahead of you, Someone always going to be someone behind you. If you can only serve those that are above you or ahead of you, um, you're being opportunistic. You're, you're looking to get ahead. I, I want to serve you based on what you can do for me. True servitude, a true servant's heart says, I'm going to serve anybody and everybody, no matter what you can do for me, no matter if you can give back to me or not. Uh, a true servant's heart doesn't keep receipts. Um, it just serves, um, not, not for something in return. So I've, I, I've, I've, I've had moments in my life where I, I was okay with serving, but it was, I was serving people that could open a door for me. I was serving uh, somebody who could give me an opportunity. I was serving somebody who could, who could perhaps do something for me. And I had to check myself and make sure, um, am I serving when those people are not watching? Am I serving somebody that really can't do anything for me? Uh, that's that's where the real that's where the real transparency comes, and that's wh where the real um, check comes when we know whether we're a servant or not. And so I think I think when we can be um, at peace with ourselves and what we are, what we're not, who we are, who we're not, we're just in a better posture to serve. Um, I hope I, I, in my mind it's all connected. It, it segues into into owning your path. You have to. Uh, own your path. I love um, I love gleaning inspiration from people. I love interviews. I love podcasts. I love people's stories. I love asking questions. Um, but people are going to project their life and their story onto you when they give you advice. Everybody's story is different. Everybody's life, everybody's upbringing, everybody's skill set, everyone's personality is different. You have got to own your path. I've got friends that went to Bible school. I have friends that didn't go to Bible school. I got friends that went to secular school. I have friends that didn't go to secular school. I have friends that went to secular school and Bible school. I have friends that didn't go to secular school and didn't go to Bible school. And it shows. I have friends that got married young. I have friends that got married old. I have friends that had uh, children when they were young. I have friends that had children later on in life. I have friends that have uh, traveled and been involved in this ministry. I have friends that have never traveled and never been involved in ministry. I could look to a long litany of, of, of friendships and, and, and people um, around me in my life, and uh, I, I, could, I, could, uh, I could show you literally opposite extremes of perhaps somebody that, um, uh, I, okay, well, so here's an example. So uh, I have a buddy of mine, uh, he's married, has a, uh, him and his wife are awesome, they're a power couple, they're amazing, sweet, kind. Um, they were in a very rocky relationship for four years, broke up, got back together, broke up, got back together, it's, it's crazy. And uh, if you ask him about relationships, you know what he would tell you? Oh, man, you got to fight for it, and, and, and it's worth it, and, and don't you give up. That's what he's going to tell you. That's what he's going to tell you. Now, I got a, another uh, buddy of mine that, man, they saw each other. It was love at first sight. And, man, they just, they got together in six months and got married. And if you ask him about relationship, like, oh, man, all that rocky stuff, like, oh, no, run. Oh, if you don't know within the first five minutes, it's not it. And they both believe 
their opinions. And so I'm just giving an example that, that, that there's probably some uh, truth to both, um, and, and there's, but there's some difference to both, but you, 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 they're speaking from their experience. They're speaking from, from the prism of their perspective. And so I would just challenge you, I would just encourage you, um, you have a pastor, you have leaders in your life, uh, and then there's others that you look to for inspiration. There's others that you, that you, you look to, to glean from their life. That's what I do. But at the end of the day, I've got to go back and I've got to say, what does God want for my life? I've got to go back and say, what is God asking of me? I, ca I can't put my life parallel to somebody else. How, this may not be all making sense for you. I hope it is. It makes sense to me because when we parallel our life to others, then we start comparing and then we start, uh, we're no longer at peace. And now I don't want to serve you because now I'm jealous of you. Now I'm insecure of you. Now I'm intimidated by you rather than being inspired. So I don't need your life to look like mine and my life to look like yours to be inspired by your life. I can be inspired by the diversity of your life. Man, wow, I, I'm, I'm so grateful that there's somebody else that I can look at and, and I can realize their life is so different than mine and God's hand is on them and God is with them and God is for them. Does that all make sense? We should probably move to the, uh, to the second point, but I don't want to yet. I'm gonna say one more thing. Um, you, uh, I, you know, I wish somebody would have, um, I wish somebody would have told me, probably going into college, I think I learned this coming out of college, um, I wish somebody had told me that as long as you are moving, even if you are moving in the wrong direction, God can move you to the right direction. What do you mean by that? Um, so many times we, uh, we, we're, we're trying to compare our life to somebody else. And sometimes it comes from an innocent place of wanting God's will. And we think God's will means that our life has to be uh, perfect and all together. And so many times I've seen young men and women that have potential and anointing um, just kind of chill on the sidelines because they would rather, um, they would rather try to attain this, this, this perfect nothing rather, this, rather than an imperfect something. Does that make sense? Uh, I've, I've seen amazing, talented, uh, people that are that are overflowing with potential sit on the sidelines because they're waiting for an angel to tell them exactly where to live and where to go to college and who to marry and if they're going to be a missionary if they're going to start a church if they're going to stay local if they're going to go global and 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 I've seen people that that are so afraid to make a move that they do nothing and they settle for a perfect nothing over an imperfect something. And, and, and this is what I, I realized. Um, you can't steer a parked car. If you are praying, doesn't mean you're perfect, but if you are praying, if you're in the word of God, you're trying to do your best to be submitted to his plan, to leadership, and, and you're doing your best to know him and to make him known, and you're just doing your best. I am convinced if you are headed in the wrong direction, God can reroute you. And God will reroute you. The will of God is not flimsy. The will of God is not this two-foot wide path that the moment you take a step to the right and the moment you take a step to the left, oh, you're out of the will of God. Do we think that the sovereign God, the creator and chief of the universe, does not know our mishaps and our missteps? 
He orders our steps. He orders our stops. He, 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 this is where it gets a little trippy because, you know, we, we think we make one mistake. We think uh, something doesn't work out and, oh, we're in plan B. But it was plan A for him all along because while he knows what we're going to do, it's not predestination. It's foreknowledge. God didn't make you make that mistake, but he knew you would make it. And so we think we're, um, you know, we're on plan B, will of God, and in reality, it was, it's, it's plan A because God, God, knew, God knew the decision that we would make. And so, um, you know, you, you can, um, God, can, God can redirect your motion. He cannot reroute your inactivity. That's just a fancy way of saying you can't steer a parked car. If you are not moving, God, God, God can't reroute you. L look at scripture and you'll, you'll see that God w often was moving upon people that were already moving and some of them were moving in the wrong direction. So he would just reroute them. So the narrative, the story that, that resonated with me, uh, is this okay? I'm off my notes, but it's okay. I had a, I, uh, I, uh, I, I, I remember reading about the Apostle Paul and, and, the, and um, Isaac said that Paul would be heading to this place and then he'd be heading to this, well, he'd be heading to this place and the Lord would forbid him and say, oh, don't go here. And then he would be heading over here and the Lord would say, no, 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 go, go here. And I realized that the, um, it is Isaac, right? Is it Isaac or no? You, yeah, you're, oh, are there two of you or are there two Isaacs? <laughs> Oh man, talking in the talk back mic last night. Now you got two Isaacs. Y'all just y'all trying to throw me. Um, <laughs> um, I realized that a, Paul is powerful. Paul is anointed. Paul is gifted. Paul is the Apostle Paul. And how many times was he heading in the wrong direction? And the Lord would say, "No, go here." The Lord would forbid him. The Lord would say, "No, no, no go here." But Paul was moving. Paul was moving. Paul was moving. We do not need to see three angels and hear five prophets say the exact same thing for us to pray, for us to witness to somebody, for us to be faithful, for us to stretch in the gifts of the Spirit, for us to uh, be used by God in various ways. You've just got to move wherever you can, however you can, and if you are moving in the wrong direction, you know, it's, it's okay to try things out. It's, uh, I, I want to be spirit-led in everything. I, I'd love for the Lord to tell me where to go to lunch today. And I think he, I think he said to bell on y'all's cookout and go to Phillips and get, get corn nuggets again. And uh, so I've got to be obedient to the Lord. I'm sorry. Um, I, I'd love for the Lord to have told me every job I was going to um, take. I would love for the Lord to tell me every country that I was going to visit. Um, but there's a lot of things that I just, I stepped out. I said, hey, I'm going to fill this out. I'm going to follow that piece that I talked about last night. And so while, um, while I believe in the supernatural, I believe in visions, dreams, signs, wonders, I could, I could tell you some stories of some things that are supernatural. Um, sometimes we forget that the supernatural is supernatural. And we limit the supernatural to the spectacular. We limit the supernatural to the spectacular. God giving you peace as you, as, you, as you fill out a job, as you fill out a relationship, as you fill out a new season in your life is just as supernatural as a man of God or a woman of God coming and giving you a word or you seeing a dream. We cannot be afraid of moving.
So I would challenge you to own your path. Be willing to go down some wrong paths. Be willing to take some risk uh, that are not detrimental. Be willing to, to live an imperfect life, not a sinful life, not a reckless life, not a forget God, I'm going to do my own thing life, but a life that says, hey, I cannot cower in a corner. I cannot overexamine and overthink my life to the point that I literally do nothing, but I've got to move and do something. And if I'm heading in the wrong direction, God will move me. That's what happened in college. I was convinced I was going to go back to Dallas and start a church. I was immersed in that idea for a year or so. Um, I just, I, that's what I thought I was going to do. And so then the Lord started dealing with me about traveling. And man, I love the idea of going overseas and going to Europe and, and, and Australia and, and traveling the States. But I, I had never thought about evangelizing. I never was born to evangelize. Didn't think that was my personality, my skill set. I didn't have any friends at that point that were evangelists. And so it freaked me out. And I mean, it was that classic, you know, Friday night youth conference. Uh, I was uh, helping promote the school and I was in a service and I just finally went up to the altar and, you know, gave God that good old ugly cry and was just like, I say yes, I say yes. And it just, it just freaked me out. It really did. It freaked me out. I didn't have a reference for it. I wasn't planning on doing it. And so little by little doors began to open. And then later on, I, I, I thought, man, why, come on, God, God. God knows all things. Why did I, why did I waste time? Because I, I want my life to be effective and therefore I want my life to be efficient. I don't, I don't like going down wrong paths. I don't, I don't like, I, I, wanna, I, I wanted to be my best at an early age and, and I didn't wanna lose time. I didn't wanna lose ground. Um, but I, I had to give room for my humanity uh, because God certainly does. And so I often thought, why, why, why couldn't I just, got it earlier. Why couldn't I have figured out I was going to evangelize? Why did I waste time thinking I was going to start a church? And, uh, and so that's when the Lord began to impress on me these principles I'm sharing with you. And I realized, you know what? I was moving. I was moving. And because I was open to start a church, that also meant that I was open to evangelize. And had I not been open to starting a church, Maybe I wouldn't have just freaked out about evangelizing. Maybe I would have just straight up said, no, God, I ain't, I ain't doing that. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm, no. So I realized that as long as I'm moving, God can move me in the right direction. Does that help anybody? I think we can get to our second point. First Samuel 16 and seven. First Samuel 16 and seven. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Um, this is a perfect segue because in our comparison, uh, many times we only see the superficial or the surface or the exterior of someone's life. While God is looking, as David would say in Psalms, for truth in our inward parts. God is looking for the inside and the outside to match. So the first distinction of a difference maker is to serve one another, not try to surpass each other. The second distinction of a difference maker is to place importance on the inner man. I think in our world, uh, as social media has uh, arisen and as um, we are more connected than we've ever been, we have a front row seat to the exterior um, and the surface, but we have a back row seat uh, to the inside. And so I think it's, uh, I'm gonna, 
I, I've spent a lot of time on the first point, so I'm gonna, I won't spend as much time on this, uh, but I think it's absolutely paramount that we, that we cultivate an inner life um, that we're at peace at, uh, with, uh, that we are at peace with. Um, you've got to go home with you. You've got to live with you. Doesn't matter where you work, doesn't matter where you live, doesn't matter who you're married to, doesn't matter how much money, uh, doesn't matter um, your, um, your, 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 your status in this world. Uh, you've got to be at, at, at peace with yourself. And being at peace with yourself is connected to righteousness, is connected to uh, having a life uh, that is the same outwardly and inwardly. And there's something that hijacks our spirit when, when our outside life does not match our, our inside life, our inner life. That is a, a recipe for, for fear and, 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 and distrust in ourselves and a lack of peace. So I would challenge you to remember that God places high, high, high importance on the inward man. 1 Samuel 17, 12, and 13. 1 Samuel 17, 12. 12 and 13 says this, and David was the son of the Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, and he had eight sons. And the man went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. And the three eldest sons of Jesse went ahead and followed Saul to the battle. The name of his three sons that went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn. Next to him was Abinadab, and the third was Shammah. I mentioned this last night, but I will mention it again. Um, the third distinction of a difference maker that I see is that you do not despise your age. Paul told Timothy, um, be an example to the believer. Paul, an older man, told Timothy, a younger man, you're old enough to be an example. Somebody is watching you. What if you realized, truly realized that people were watching you? And the gravity of that didn't make you try to perform or fool or try to hide um, anything that was not aligned with God's will, but it made you want to rise up and live up to the expectation that God had upon you. Not the expectation of people, but the expectation of God. What is that expectation? The expectation that right now where you are, whether you're 27 or 32 or 15 or 12 or 9 or 17, that, that somebody was watching you and that God believed in you so much that he, he believes in you enough that, that you can be an example to somebody else. What if, what if we really recognize that, that there is somebody, I don't, I don't care who you are, there's somebody watching you. Every single one of us has influence. Every single one of us are affecting somebody or infecting somebody. Somebody is watching you. It may be my little brother. It may be a new convert. It may be me. It may be somebody older. It may be somebody in your peer group, but somebody's watching you. So if somebody was watching you and therefore you were their example, you were their template, you were their motif, you were the pattern that they were following after, what would their life look like? If they were praying as much as you were praying this week, would they have prayed? If they were in the word as much as you were in the word this last month, would they be surviving or would they be thriving? If they worshiped as much as you worshiped or didn't worship, would they be a worshiper? If somebody was not only watching you but patterning their life after you, would they be spiritual or carnal? It makes it so much more personal 
when we think, what if somebody was literally pattering their everyday life after us? Would they be bitter? Would they be full of forgiveness? Would there be undealt trauma and pain? Would there be wholeness? What would their life look like if they were reacting the way we reacted, if they were living the way that we were living, if they were making decisions based on the way that we make our decisions? So don't let anybody despise your age. I mentioned uh, my motto last night. Uh, it was a motto that I had growing up, and I still think I'm young, so I still, I still use it. But if you're young enough to be tempted, you're old enough to be anointed, um, Paul Paul, Paul told Timothy, be, be an example to the believer. Um, this, this was not, uh, and, and he said, don't let anybody despise your youth. Now, this was not some bold, brazen, it doesn't matter what anybody says, forget them. No, he was saying, live in such a way that nobody can despise your age. He wasn't saying, oh, forget what people say, you just do you. No, he was saying, live in such a way that if somebody accuses you, there's no evidence. That makes sense? Live in a way so that nobody can despise your age. So, third distinction, be used of God now, however you wanna say it. Um, that third distinction is, is not to despise your age, but to be an example. First uh, Samuel 17, 15. Can I teach just a few more minutes? Are we good? Oh, I like verbal responses. Can I teach for a few more minutes? Are we good? Okay, all right, all right. You're making me nervous. First Samuel 17 and 15. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Um, the fourth distinction uh, that stands out um, that, that made David a, a difference maker and made him significant in my eyes, is that he was willing uh, to look over the sheep even when he was being overlooked. And if you're gonna be involved in ministry, um, you're gonna have to get used to doing things when the spotlight or not is not on you. You're gonna have to be used to uh, doing things uh, without <laughs> receiving validation and recognition. Now, I don't care what anybody says, every single one of us want validation but we have to make sure how we process that and how we receive that. And our ultimate validation comes in doing the will of God, and it comes from his presence. You're gonna have people that love you, um, that you're gonna have people that support you, that encourage you verbally, and that is needed, that is healthy. But you cannot live off of the praises of people. You cannot live off of the validation of people. Otherwise, as the old uh, adage says, you will also, if you live off the praises of people, you will die from the criticisms of people. And so I think all of us have to make up in our mind that our, um, our, 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 our true validation is going to come from God. And that means that sometimes uh, we're going to be looking over things uh, even, when we are, even when we are being overlooked. Um, um, it, it, it takes maturity um, to, to recognize and to, and to realize that, that, that um, I, I'm just not going to uh, live uh, for the validation of people. Now, we live in a generation where everybody has a hater. Everybody has a hater. It's a false sense of importance and pride, in my opinion. 
uh, because we think if we have 257 haters uh, that we're doing something really important. Uh, I don't think we, uh, I just think that's the wrong posture to live from um, and to live by. I, I, as, as one pastor said, uh, we're not meant to, to, to we're, we're, we're not living to prove people wrong. We're living to prove God right. Um, Jason Staten said that. It's a powerful quote. You need to write it down. We're not living to prove people wrong. We're living to prove God right. And so uh, I don't think you have as, I don't think we have as many haters as we, we think we have or as we would like to have <laughs> sometimes. Uh, it doesn't matter who criticizes you. It doesn't matter who hates on you. It doesn't matter who, who's uh, taking a swig of haterade. Uh, you got way more people that love you, uh, that support you. Uh, that believe in you, I, I, I promise you. So that fourth distinction is being willing to look over things even when you're being overlooked. First Samuel 17, 25, we're gonna hurry. What's our cutoff time? Oh, that's a dangerous question. What's our, what's our cutoff time? Jamie, what's our cutoff time? Oh, 12, oh, someone had to say it. I'm going to 1230 now. First Samuel 17, 25, first Samuel uh, 17, 25. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up surely to defy Israel? He has come up. It shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Whoever took down Goliath um, said the king will give him gold bars, going to give him Benjamins, going to give him money. He's going to be rich. Uh, He's going to, so this, whoever kills Goliath gets money gets the girl, and the Bible says that his father's house will be free, which means they're not getting taxed. So tell me why everybody is on the sidelines and nobody is making a move to, to take this giant out. Um, I, I think we will realize, I think you will realize this the older you get. Um, and so here, here's the distinction that I see. Number five, um, you see a risk, I'm sorry, you see a reward and not a risk. David saw a reward and not a risk. Um, The older you get, you will realize that life will continually try to cause you to shrink back into the corner and to live a safe existence. Uh, You will lose money, uh, you'll get your heart broken, you'll, you'll pray for something and God will answer it. Somebody in your life uh, will get sick and they won't be healed. Um, somebody will pass away. Uh, life will take a turn that you did not predict and, 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 and life will uh, bring some things that are painful, that are unfair and, and you start feeling that temptation uh, to be seduced into the corner and 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 try to uh, the, oh there's so much I could say about this but that's why we will begin to try to over prepare and we will try to see every uh, risk and every potential pitfall and we will be we will be begin to live this life on the defense and if we uh, do not process that in prayer and we do not live with a trust in God and his sovereignty, uh, then we will, we will take even uh, further steps and we will become cynical and we will become jaded and life is gonna punch you in the face. But the moment you start waiting for the punches and expecting the punches and believing that the next moment is gonna be another punch and the next moment is gonna, we, we, we start living 
uh, with this posture of pseudo-safety. It doesn't matter how much you prepare. It doesn't matter how pessimistic you are. Um, you, you will never uh, be able to foretell and to uh, foresee all of the negatives um, that are going to come in this life. You won't. But the problem is you will foresee negatives that won't happen. And you will uh, perceive pain that hasn't come. And you will begin to live in, in, in dark, decadent, downward hypotheticals. And we will exhaust our mental energy on things that, that, that never happen. So it, it's going to seem simple. Some of you won't even think this point resonates with you right now. But it will resonate with you as you get older. And if you think back on this, um, continually look for the rewards in life. Continually look for the rewards that God has before you. Do not live your life just seeing risk after risk after risk. Uh, put your attention, put your focus on the reward uh, that God has in front of you. And ultimately, he is our exceeding reward. Uh, ultimately, when our eyes are on him, uh, he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Um, we're going to skip that point. Um, we're going to go to 1 Samuel 17, 28. 1 Samuel 17, 28 says, And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when David spake according to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why have you come down hither? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know the pride and the naughtiness that is in your heart, and you've just simply come down to see the battle. So much irony in this verse. So much irony in this verse. Um, I'm going to make this the last point, actually. Um, David's older brother could have been a mentor to him. David's older brother um, could have been a voice of encouragement. And he said, I, I know why you're here. You're just, I know the pride and the naughtiness that's in your heart. You just come to see the battle. That's a dramatic irony because there is no battle to even be seen. <laughs> it's amazing how people on the sidelines fight fictitious battles. It's amazing how people that are on the sidelines uh, are always fighting superficial battles. Uh, you've got to beware of carnal voices. You've got to beware of, of, of people uh, who have all the advice uh, for you and what you should do, and yet there's no blood on their sword. You better beware of people that have really, really shiny armor, and they have no experience in the battle, and yet they want to give you a TED Talk about what you should do in the battle and what you should do with your future. and which I can't tell you the amount of people that told me pursuing ministry would, would be too risky. I can't tell you the amount of people that told me I shouldn't go overseas. I can't tell you the amount of people that said I should do this first and this first. And some of it was not bad, but you need to, you need to make sure you do this in your life and you need to set up yourself financially with this and you need to go to this school and you need to do this, this, and this. And not all of it was bad, but I had to own my path and I had to be at peace with, but God is asking me to do this and then God is directing me here and then God is doing this and then God, and, and so um, uh, nothing wrong with advice, like I said, um, and there's nothing wrong with people's lives that are different than yours. Uh, but what I do have a problem with is, is people that have not been obedient to the voice of the Lord and people who have not put the kingdom first trying to tell you how to live your life when you're wanting to put the kingdom first, and they haven't. Um, the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So that tells me uh, something super simplistic. 
The kingdom of God is not an add-on. Seek you first, premier, paramount, priority. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. So many things can be added onto your life, but the kingdom cannot. You cannot have the kingdom of God as an addition. It must be foundational, not additional. Am I helping anybody? So this is the last thing I want to say. Um, he was on the sidelines. He could have been an encouragement, and yet he's bringing words of fear and despondency and, and doubt and ridicule. Uh, you can be on the um, you, you can be on the right side with your feet, uh, but be on the wrong side with your mouth. And there's a lot of people that are in church, um, but their voice sounds like Goliath uh, because they're echoing that fear. They're echoing that doubt. They're, they're not speaking words of bravery and courage and, and what God can do. Uh, they're speaking words that, that want to cause you to cower in that corner and, and just, just live a life of safety and therefore regret and so he says, well, I, I, you just come to see the battle, and yet there's no battle to be seen. He says, why have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Well, this is two things that I think I can safely deduce because David is a good shepherd, and that's why he can talk about God being our good shepherd. Um, I don't think he, uh, well, I know he didn't leave just a few sheep. He left a flock. And I don't believe he left them in a dry, barren wilderness. I believe he left them in a pasture because he was a good shepherd. So this is what I wanna end on. If you forget everything that I've said, everything comes back to the basics. It comes back to knowing God and making him known. When life gets confusing, when life goes awry, when life has you discombobulated, when life has you overthinking, when life has you underthinking, it every, always go back to the basics. It goes back to knowing God and making him known. Are you walking with God? Are you being a witness for God? Everything goes back to that. Jesus said it. Love God, love your neighbor. That's where everything goes back to. So people that don't see value in walking with God will always turn your pasture into a wilderness. And people that don't value being a testimony for God will always turn your flock into a few. Don't let any sideline soldier or any carnal person turn the pasture of prayer into a wilderness. Don't let any carnal person turn those souls, turn those flock, turn that flock that's worth fighting for into just a few. If you love God, you are going to know the pasture of his presence because he's going to lead you through those pastures. He's going to lead you by still waters. And if you love God, you're, you're, going, to have, you're going to have a sheep, you're going to have a soul that you're teaching a Bible study to, that you're loving on, that you're interceding, and that you're fighting for. Does that make sense? Don't let anybody turn your pasture into the wilder, into a wilderness and don't let anybody turn your flock into a few. Can we stand? Thank you so much for letting me talk to you. Uh, thank you for letting me teach. Uh, I, uh, I'm so grateful for this time and I just wanna pray over you. Would that be okay? And if you missed any of the distinctions and your OCD and, uh, and I messed up your, your categories or lists, then you can come find me and I may even give you a few of the bones that I didn't talk to 
talk about. And I know, I know that y'all are just begging me to go until 1220, but I'm not going to accept your false flattery. We're just going to stop early. And I know people are just so disappointed, so disappointed. But I do want to pray over you. Would that be okay? God, I thank you so much for my friends. I thank you for my new friends. I thank you for my brothers and my sisters. I thank you for the family of God. I thank you, God, for you. I, I not only thank you for my friends, my brothers, and my sisters, but God, I thank you that you're our heavenly Father. Lord, my life's not been perfect, but I am fulfilled. I am grateful. I am thankful for all the things that you've done in my life and the things that you're going to continually do. I pray, oh God, if there could be something imparted in today's session that, Lord, there would be a hunger, there would be a, an insatiable desire to want to live a life putting the kingdom first. God, I, I have many mistakes, God. My, my life is full of, of certain things I wish I could do different or things I wish I could do better. But God, I, I know that I have followed your will. I know that I am uh, living a life that has fulfilled me, God, because I have said yes to you. I pray that boldness. I pray that tenacity upon my brothers and my sisters. I pray that we would follow you, that we would know, as I said last night, that your peace is not deceptive. God, I believe the kingdom is one of the greatest, wildest adventures in this life. And I pray that men and women under the sound of my voice, whether they're 12, they're 27, 32, whether they're 18, 21, whether they're 9, whoever they are, whatever age and stage that they're at, I pray, God, that they would do bold things for you, that they would, God, not live a life of safety and staying in the corner, but, God, they would make moves in the kingdom, God. They would not live a life of hustle and performance, but God, that they would move towards you and move towards their calling. And, and God, if it so be that they make a wrong turn, God, I just am confident that you're going to move them in the right direction. Let every single one of us go back to knowing you and making you known. And I thank you for what you're doing. I rejoice. I rejoice, God, in every single person in this room and what you are doing in their life. I rejoice over their ministry. I celebrate what you are accomplishing, seen and unseen. And I thank you for our time together, God. In Jesus' name. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, that's all right. Let's give them a hand clap today. How many was enriched by that teaching today? Edified, I feel edified. I feel built up in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Brother Gore, for obeying the Lord and, and imparting such wisdom to us. Um, very, very applicable. Some of it goes back to some of what we were talking about in our adultish life group. Um, some of that applies. And so, such good stuff. And we're so grateful. How many is ready for another great time tonight? Amen. Amen.